I'm Kate Daniels. Laura Frombach co-authored with Joy Farrell, Street Smart Safety for Women. This is a must-read and even reread book to keep us safe in our world. And the world keeps evolving, and thus so does the work for Laura and Joy. Today, Laura, with her technology background, is here to share how AI is doing some major good work for personal security and beyond. Laura Frombach, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us once again. Good morning, Kate, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm delighted to be back. I, I, and I'm equally delighted that you're here with us because, oh, this subject uh, about violence against women and knowing what we can do to prevent that, to protect ourselves is just so critical, the fact that it's escalating even that much more critical. So I am just so grateful that you and Joy have written this book and that we have it available now. When we last talked, it was just coming out or going to be coming out. So here it is. But today, in addition to the book, we really want to focus on a segment of it, and that is on the tech part. And what grabbed my attention was AI. There's so much talk mm -hmm. these days about AI and, you know, how it's affecting our lives, often in with some negative aspects to it. But here, you are going to share with us how AI can help us be essentially our friend. Absolutely. We believe AI, you know, which has come screaming to the forefront, particularly in the last year, we believe AI is going to be a leader, a huge tool for us, for women, in the fight against gendered violence. And this isn't just wishful thinking. There are many applications out there today, and there are going to be more coming in the future. And so if I could just give you a little bit of background about why AI is so prevalent today and why it did come, you know, come screaming to the forefront of our consciousness, you know, as it had been talked about for so many years, and now it's actually here. Yes, and please do enlighten us. I think we all want to, to, to learn and know. Here's the thing with AI. First of all, it came roaring to the forefront because of a company called OpenAI. And Microsoft invests heavily in OpenAI. And they released a product last March, March 2023, I believe, called ChatGPT4. And GPT stands for Generative Pre-trained Transform. And what that is, is a big, long technical word that says machines can now talk to people. And it's easy for us to communicate with them because we don't have to, as people, talk machine language. So it's free, it's easy to use, and it's very powerful. Anybody with internet access can use it. And people quickly found that we could use it to write papers. We could use it to produce pictures, you know, deep fake pictures that, you know, are so harmful against women. However, it can also be used for good. And I'm going to just segue just a little bit more into the overview of AI and, and just let you know that there's really three phases of AI. And phase one, which is where we are now, is AI that can do superhuman things within a very narrow lane. And what that means is that AI is super good at things like 
Alexa and Siri and our virtual assistants and chat GPT. And, and they just focus on one tool. They just focus on, you know, what's called one domain. So in other words, what works in finance is not going to work in healthcare. It, it is very limited in its scope. And the next two phases are theoretical. And phase two is general intelligence. And that's where AI has human-like intelligence to learn across domains. So it could understand finance and healthcare. And then phase three, which is highly theoretical and what everybody is concerned about is super intelligent, where AI is even more intelligent than humans in all domains and surpasses our intelligence by far, almost if, like an alien, if you will. So we're all familiar, as you said, with the the negative aspects of, of AI and, you know, the ability to uh, recreate voices or videos or pictures. And that's what makes this chat GPT so powerful is that it just doesn't analyze data. It can create content. So in other words, not only could it write a paper for you, but you can say to it, you know what? I want a picture of a woman petting a duck. And, you know, it knows AI knows what a duck is. It knows what what a woman is. So it can very quickly for free generate a picture of a woman petting a duck for you in a matter of seconds. Now, what's amazing is that we have the networks, we have the hardware and we have everything in place that can just give it to us that quickly. And, and really, it's just that amazing. So. All of that said, <laughs> how can AI and how are people using AI to help prevent violence against women? And I'm going to talk about a couple apps and a couple of, of use cases or scenarios where it's being used today. And one we really, really like, and it's called What Amy Says. And so the use case for this and on a broader scope would be safe and anonymous education for people. So instead of calling somebody and asking them something, which people may be embarrassed about, AI can provide safe and anonymous education. And what Amy says does, this app, which just came out, I want to say even a month ago, we've been waiting for it, is it helps victims determine whether the language that their partner uses is part of a pattern of domestic abuse or what's called coercive control. And, and the really important thing about this is that coercive control is, is to an outsider almost innocent, but to the person inside, to the victim, it has a lot of meaning. And the abuser knows that and the victim knows that. And I'm gonna give you an example. What if somebody texted a woman's partner, texted uh, a potential victim and said, I am just worried about you. That is why I contact you all the time. That's why I text you so much. That's why I call you so much. I just want to make sure you're okay. And so, you know, from an outsider, we'd say, oh, you know what? That is so sweet. Oh my gosh, I wish I had somebody like that. But let's put it in context. So that would be appropriate if somebody was just going off to college or, you know, was in a crisis situation. What if that happens every day? And so if you go or a victim goes to what Amy says and types that in there, you know, and, and what Amy says, 
you know, gives them a little chat box and says, put in the communication from your partner and I will analyze it for you. So you put in there, you know, the exact wording that the text or the email or the person says, and it thinks about it. AI considers it while it processes it. And it comes back and it says, you know what? That is a pattern of domestic abuse. And here's why. This person is trying to isolate the victim. They're trying to get them away from everybody. They are justifying why they are harassing and stalking this person. And not only that, it gives her some appropriate responses that are not designed to, you know, uh, create a crisis, but really acknowledge, and this is what you can do. And oh, by the way, here's some resources for you. So totally free, totally anonymous. And women, particularly young women, may be embarrassed to go to somebody and say, I really don't know if this is a situation or not. Here is an AI app that they can access 24 seven quietly. They don't even have to talk to anybody and be overheard that they can find out whether or not they're truly a victim and what to do about it. And, you know, again, this is just, this is hot off the press. And that same app is going to be offering additional tools at the end of this month. <laughs> That's astounding the way that it all just keeps uh, morphing and, and improving. But the app in itself, yes, to uh, because sometimes it just happens. Uh, a a young woman, uh, an older woman, might feel mm -hmm. shame. It yeah, age is exactly. irrelevant there. Feel shame to ask that. So this is wonderful, mm -hmm. right? And and I agree because victims are shamed so badly. And, you know, whether it's being the victim of an assault, being the victim of domestic violence and abuse, we don't blame the perpetrator. We blame the victim for some odd reason. But what this does is it enables people to say, I can do this anonymously. Nobody's going to judge me. I don't have to worry about it getting back to anybody. And I can go ahead and take steps to change the situ situation if and when I want to. Right. And they can keep going back as often as they want. They say, well, maybe, you know, this is just a, a uh, one-off situation. But the truth of the matter is, is they can go back as often as they want and build up even uh, a case file if, if that's what they needed to do. And so, again, you know, I think I agree with you that it takes the shame totally out of it and enables victims to be empowered. And that's the critical word there is to feel empowered that they have recourse here and do it in such a way, yes, to avoid feeling shamed, which shouldn't be part of it. I don't know. I guess it's human nature, at, mm -hmm. at least for women. Mm -hmm. Right. So there is another, uh, this isn't an app, but this is actually a case study that was done um, I want to say from, it was done from Emory University, and I'm going to put this in context a little bit too. So domestic violence, interpersonal violence, domestic abuse skyrocketed during COVID. And um, what is really sad about not only the skyrocketing, but 64% of victims who reported violence during COVID were either new victims, 
who said this had never happened before. In other words, their situation had gotten so so much worse that violence erupted in their relationship, or the ones who were victims said that it got worse. So, uh, I'm sorry, interpersonal violence skyrocketed during COVID. Interestingly, it has come back down, but it has not come back down to pre-COVID levels. So let's just establish that. And we know that most victims, particularly of interpersonal violence, don't report their situation to law enforcement. So these geniuses out of Emory use AI to go to Twitter and scan Twitter where victims were reporting anonymously that they were being victims of violence. Now, they didn't put their name, and of course, they could be anonymous. But what they did is they looked for keywords. So they would scan Twitter. They would put the data into machine learning that AI, the, the latest levels of machine learning that AI understands, and they would look for patterns of interpersonal violence. And they would proactively, anonymously reach out to the victim to see if they needed help and to provide resources. So, you know, there we have another instance of AI providing anonymous and powerful support to victims without the shame. Incredible. Mm -hmm. it, so on one side, it is really great to be hearing the positive things that exist with AI, because this is astounding, helping individuals, helping women primarily, who would be lost. Mm -hmm. They would undoubtedly just stay under the radar, and who knows what happens. Well, we kind of know what could happen. So this okay. is great that this this is happening. Um, and and I imagine can increase uh, in a positive way for better support, more support. Oh, absolutely. There are also uh, chatbots. So domestic violence hotlines. Um, Sarah is the name of an app that's being used by the UN. So it's being used, first of all, by uh, the domestic violence hotline in the US. It's also being used by the UN to offer safe, anonymous, and confidential first contact to domestic violence victims in specific Central American countries where, you know, it is bad everywhere, but it is particularly bad, you know, in many lower income areas. So Sarah can provide support to them, again, 24-7 anonymously so that they can get support. And I'm also going to add a little bit of a historical context that chatbots are not a new invention for AI. Actually, MIT invented supportive, helpful therapeutic chatbots in 1966, and she was called Eliza. Now, she had a much, much smaller capability than, of course, we do now. But people found Eliza to be very helpful. Why? Because she was a good listener. <laughs> oh, how amazing. And to think, 1966, <laughs> now we think of that as really old history. But there it was working and now helping young women, particularly again, who are being trafficked in. Yes. Right? Yes. 
oh my gosh, there is another application. So AI is being used to find traffic victims because it can do facial imaging very quickly and it can sort through images of victims that are being trafficked on the dark web. So people who would otherwise be lost, and we all know the terrible, terrible situations of trafficking victims, is that AI can be used to rapidly go through these images. And, and again, the hardware is here to support it. That's the amazing and astounding thing, is that the hardware is finally here to support the, the software, the architecture that can do, I'm not going to get all, all tech, but to do parallel processing instead of, you know, one bit after the other, that it can do it in parallel many, many hundreds, millions of times faster than we ever thought possible before. And some of the trafficking applications where it's being used as well is some facial cameras, some identity, facial identity apps where it can find victims who have been kidnapped or who have been taken before they are trafficked and report to law enforcement that this victim has, is missing and that they are in danger of being trafficked and to get them before they are actually trafficked. And to me, that is, I mean, seriously, life-changing, game-changing, life-changing, crime preventing changing. Because it really has the ability, if I got this right, to stop, well, it's already a crime, but it stops uh, a young woman being sent to another country where then the trail could go very cold and it's much more difficult to, to find that person because it feels like they'd really be lost. Is that correct? Right. They would be lost. They would be. And, you know, there's no way to track them then. Mm -hmm. So not only identifying, again, on the dark web, trafficking victims, but preventing them before they are in the system, because there's a grooming process involved as well. You know, women are missing, boys are missing, you know, yes. more often women, but it's not gender specific, you know, that people, young people are missing and that they are found located and brought to a safe haven, whether it's home, which it may or may not be, or to support services before the damage occurs. Oh. And, and, and I think really that's the promise of AI for violence against women is to, to use these apps, to use this technology in a positive way to help the violence before it occurs. Right. And I guess that's the thing when you say uh, to be used in a positive way, because everything seems to have two sides to it, two sides mm -hmm, to the does. coin. So we need to focus on what the positive is and really build on that to use it to our advantage here to save lives, uh, mm -hmm. prevent crimes from taking place. And I really think that that the the prevention of the crimes certainly is, you know, you look at you know, a crime, an assault, whatever the, the crime against the person may be, it is far easier to save a person before that crime occurs than to clean up the trauma of a broken life afterwards. Yes. And so uh, I am going to talk about one more use case where in Spain, AI has been used to analyze legal documents. 
And so, you know, legal documents, whether they're court records or crime records or whatever, that AI machine language learning, machine learning, excuse me, has been used to analyze massive reams of legal documents and accurately predict 75% of whether or not those individuals were going to commit a crime, specifically, again, interpersonal violence, but in this case, homicide. So instead of a person, you know, analyzing all these documents, AI can put it into context because it can recognize that that's its, its strong point. You know, it is data hungry and it can recognize patterns. And so once it starts to recognize patterns in a specific case, it can accurately predict whether or not that perpetrator is going to commit a crime or intends to commit a crime. Oh, that too. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. it, it's almost like science fiction. It's so it is amazing. almost like science fiction. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which you... is why at the beginning I wanted to mention, you know, the three phases of AI mm -hmm. because it is powerful and, you know, it is so new. And again, it's free, easy, and powerful. But we are not to the point where machines can outthink us. We're not to that science fiction part yet, but we are to the part where on one hand, we can use the power for good. And on the other hand, you know, the power is using is being used from for some very nefarious purposes. Exactly. And the advantage here, like you were speaking about in Spain, having AI work on this can speed through it, whereas an individual or, or even a group of, of people on a team it's going to take years, potentially, certainly months to mm -hmm. to scope through things that could that, you know, are done in a flash. So there really is a great advantage. Mm -hmm. And it never gets tired. Yeah, yeah. AI never gets tired. It never needs a break. It never needs a lunch break. And it never misses anything. You know, it doesn't say, well, you know, I would rather be here. or I, I really need to sleep. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it could miss something. It never gets tired and it keeps analyzing and churning out new content. Right. So there, there it is giving us the information then that we can proceed forward and do something to stop a crime or find exactly. it. Right. Exactly. Prevent, prevent. Prevent and stop the crimes from happening by analyzing, you know, the situations, the use cases, the people's background, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera put it all into a pattern, put it all into context, again, without prejudice too. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean, you know, that a person would have feelings about something and, you know, maybe try and put their thumb on the scale a little bit. AI, most for the most part, let me say for the most part, is, is agnostic. Yeah. And I'm going to clarify why I said for the most part is because AI has been shown to have some bias. Why? Because it's programmed and it's not specifically programmed to do a specific task, but it does have structures and it does have patterns that it looks for, primarily by men. And so there can be some bias and there's a lot of discussion in the technical community about the bias that can be inherent by AI. However, Again, I prefer to look at the positive side and look at the part that, you know, AI is going to look at the pattern as a whole 
make recommendations, make predictions, and kind of like something on autopilot, you know, we don't let our cars go on autopilot and, and drive themselves, you know, we still want to be in control. So people are still in control. People are the ones who are going to, to you know, be the overlords of AI, not vice versa. Right. Yes. Oh, it's so much to take in, but so incredible to know that this is happening. Mm -hmm. Let's take a few minutes, though, to kind of get to the basics, which is your book, uh, With Joy, that we Mm -hmm. should uh, just make known its availability and really just an incredible resource uh, for a street smart safety for women. Street smart safety for women is everything two women who are experienced in violence. One co-author is a former deputy sheriff with almost 30 years experience on the street. And myself, a victim of family violence as I was growing up and also a technologist. So we combined all of the information that we knew to educate women, to help women keep themselves safe. And we did this because we wanted the information for ourselves and we couldn't find it. So we wrote the book. Isn't that often the case? Yes. You find that need and uh, it's not there. So you fill it. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So the book is is out. It's available. You have a website, which uh, also is a great resource of information. Mm -hmm. Streetsmartsafety.org is our website. We have videos, we have interviews, we have articles that we've written seriously on every aspect of women's safety. And sadly, there is no shortage of of need for this. And, you know, we are kept busy trying to develop new information as things come out. I mean, AI is, you know, just came to the forefront, you know, within the last year. But, you know, the traditional crimes against women, the traditional violence against women that has been ongoing seriously for thousands of years still goes on. And one of the things that that we really think is important for women to know is to recognize the emotional and the mental aspects of being a victim. And, And not to say that we are victim blaming because that is not the case. We are saying that women can be and many times so polite, so giving, so generous that predators are aware of that and they take advantage of it. And, you know, my co-author Joy saw that on the street for 30 years and women would say, I knew there was a problem, but I didn't not want to be polite. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And that's where that instinct of trust your gut, you know, Mm -hmm. if it raises those hairs on your neck, is a really important cue to follow. Exactly. And we call it safety intuition. And safety intuition isn't something mystical. It's not something, you know, that only some people have and other people don't. It is our five senses reporting back to us as they have since, you know, again, thousands of years, And it's the same five senses that our ancestors on the savannah used to detect tigers, to detect predators. But the unfortunate thing about women today is that we have been so socialized to 
pay attention to other people that we don't take precautions for ourselves. And so imagine our ancestors on the savannah, if they had been socially conditioned to ignore the tiger and, you know, how long would they have survived? And so we're not telling women not to be nice. And we're also not telling people to live in the red zone because that would be a terrible way to live. We want women to live defensively the same way as we drive defensively. You know, you get out there and you drive and you're not worried. You're not in the red zone. People put their makeup on. They drink coffee. They listen to podcasts. They do everything while they're driving, but they're still alert. They're still paying attention to what's going on. And, you know, thousands of tons of steel are bypassing you, you know, at high rates of speed, but we're not afraid. So we want women to just have that same awareness and same confidence when we go out into the world. Oh, you are such a brilliant voice of information, (laughs) source of information, uh, both you and Joy. I just am so grateful that you are so impassioned uh, by this and uh, are are willing to come and speak to us about it and keep us all up to date as well. So I have a feeling that, you know, we'll probably have a repeat conversation in uh, some months in the future. I hope so. As always, Kate, it was really a pleasure speaking with you. And with you as well, Laura, be well and safe. You too. Stay safe.